At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We live in a culture filled with promises for a better life, deeper satisfaction, and greater purpose, but how do we know which is right? We invite you to join us for Smoke and Mirrors, deciphering truth in a world of truths, where we'll look to scripture to expose the illusions of our culture, and together, hold fast to a better answer, God's. I love the verse of scripture that says, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Um, for some of you that are early morning people, maybe you didn't be as glad as you could be. Um, but you guys are the early morning service, so I give you guys a lot of props. Um, how many of you are morning people? God bless you. So thankful for you in the world. You get everything done for us that sleep in. Um, but what I want to do before we get into the message again um, is just give you a chance to say hi to people. This is so critical, and we've lost this in church kind of with the pandemic. For some of you, maybe you're not at that place yet, um, and you can just stay seated. But let's just stand back up again and maybe say hi to some people we've never met before or people we've seen. Just say hi to them, check in, see how they're doing. Let's spend a little time doing that this morning. Yeah, isn't that good? Uh, isn't it good to just connect with people? Um, again, I know that it's something that for many of us, uh, we've definitely gone through a lot of period. E even when you connect with people and they have a mask on, it's very difficult um, to be able to really connect. But I'm glad that we get a chance to do that. My name's Tim. I'm a part of uh, Woodside, been with Woodside um, for 12 years. Uh, now, which is hard to believe, um, seen a few things. I'm not on the same level as Vince. Uh, Vince has been around just a couple more years than I have, so um, he's got a lot more experience and wisdom than I do, but it's just good to be here with you guys again. Thanks for having me. Um, I live in Birmingham, so it was a little bit of a drive to get over here. Felt like I was going up north, um, but... Uh, it's good to be with you again, and it's good to just open the Word of God. What I love is even the last song, and thanks to the worship team for being here today. I, I just love that we get a chance to open the Word of God and focus on Jesus. It's not about a person, honestly. If I had to get up here and talk about me for the next 30 minutes, I would be completely terrified. Um, but the, the beautiful thing is we get to open God's Word and read God's Word and let that be the focal point of the day. Does that make sense? Is anybody here with me on that this morning? And so it's not about a person. It's not about a church name. It's really about Jesus and that he would be magnified in what we, what we see, what we say, and what we read today. And that's my prayer for all of us uh, this morning. Um, how many of you have ever gone into a room that was full of mirrors? 
Has anybody done this before? Um, you go in and there's just mirrors everywhere. Now, I, I've done that before, but I actually like it when they do this in movies. And usually it's the bad guy um, and the good guy that are chasing each other in the room of mirrors. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I think James Bond is one of the movies where this happens. And um, it's really odd because they're trying to find, obviously, they're trying to find one another, but they're looking at all of these mirrors, and these mirrors look exactly like the person, and then they run into it and realize it's not the same person. And so they're kind of going back and forth. Eventually, they find each other. But the reality is, is that it's all a mirage. All these mirrors are actually projecting something that isn't real, even though it looks real. And that kind of is behind the, the, the title of this series, Smoke and Mirrors, is that we live in a world and we live as people that are chasing so many mirages of life that we believe are going to be the answer to the meaning and purpose of life. And Ecclesiastes, as we're going to find out even through this study, and it's, an oppor- it's a great opportunity to be able to enter into this study today, um, is real, an open, honest look at what does life really mean and how to find purpose and meaning in life. There's actually a term now in our culture that's been um, given that's called corona time. Has anybody heard of this? It's actually a real word now. Corona time, which basically means that you wake up every morning or you go through every week and you don't even remember what day it is. Like somebody says to you like, hey, um, do you want to do something to, uh, you know, on Thursday? And you're like, yeah, when, what, when is that? Or what is that? I mean, literally the term days of Monday through Friday kind of lost significance because we're in the same old, same old. And hopefully for some of us, and maybe even the world, my prayer is that they realized that the the meaning of life, it gets so lost in moments like that. So we're going to look at the Word of God today, and my prayer is that we really see the understanding of like, what does it mean to be chasing after the meaningless things of the world, and then what does it mean to be chasing after the things of God? Now, chasing after the world, there's a word that I think kind of encapsulates that, and it's called secularism. And I wanted to define this for you guys today because I think this is really critical in the world that we're living in. Secularism is a rejection of any spiritual belief or religious realities. There is no God, and you believe and find purpose in yourself and your own truth. That's what secularism really is in kind of a nutshell. You could go, we could go deeper into that. If you can put up that definition again, because I just want to highlight a couple things in this definition. It's a rejection of any spiritual beliefs or religious realities and that there's no God. And if you believe and find purpose in yourself and your own truth, it really kind of revolves around you. Who are you? What is your truth? I hear a lot of people say that now in today's culture, like I have my truth. And we do. We all have our own stories that I believe communicate different truths. But when you take your own truth and you set your own truth above God's truth, now we have a problem. See, because God's truth is absolute truth. And that kind of trumps our own truth. It doesn't mean that our story doesn't matter. It just means the story and reality and plan of God matters more. 
But secularism has been something that's been around forever. And what I love is that the author of Ecclesiastes, who we believe to be Solomon, actually speaks directly to this. And so I want to begin in, at Ecclesiastes chapter 1. If you have your Bible or if you have your smartphone, if you have a dumb phone, then you probably weren't going to get it. Um, but if you have a, a smartphone, you can look at this in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Um, we want to just see here and look at what the author is going to speak to us about. And verse 1 of Ecclesiastes 1 says this, The words of the preacher, which I love the word preacher is actually in the Old Testament. Preacher is not a new term that just came about. The, the word preacher has been around for a long time. It says, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. That's why we believe that it's Solomon, although it does not say in the book that it's Solomon, but it does say it's the son of David and the king in Jerusalem. So we find out here that if it really is Solomon, we think about the story of Solomon. Now, I don't know about you guys, but Solomon is a very interesting and unique creature. Well, he was a human being, but I think he was a really unique creature in the sense of what God put into him and then how he lived his life. If you know the story, Solomon, God said to Solomon, I want to I give you one thing. What is it one thing you'd ask? Now, God doesn't do this to everybody. He's not a genie that you rub three times and he gives you three wishes. But he gave Solomon a choice. And he said, I want you to ask me what you want me to give to you, and I'll give it to you. And the brilliant answer that he came up with was, I want wisdom from you. That's a brilliant answer above any other answer that you could ask. If you ask for a billion dollars, but you don't have wisdom, that money would be gone in two seconds. But wisdom actually is seeing beyond just the temporal and understanding there's something deeper. There's something more meaningful. And so he asked the Lord for that. But the reality was he got into this rhythm of life where all of a sudden the wisdom that he had turned to foolishness because he wanted more and more. He wanted more wives. He wanted more money. He wanted to build more. And God blessed him and had blessed him. But the blessings that came to Solomon actually turned into his greatest foolish actions. And now Solomon's coming to the end of his life. And he's actually going to communicate here and help us understand uh, some things. And I just want to look at two things today. First of all, why does nature repeat itself? This is a question that's kind of like he wants to answer within this beginning part of Ecclesiastes. And so we see here at verse 2, it says, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, and an exclamation point. When you have an exclamation point, what does that mean? It, it means you exclaim something. That's, it's kind of like the word that the exclamation point comes from, which means that you're projecting this and communicating this with passion and power. And so, in other words, if I'm reading this, it's really not vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities. It's really vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Now, the word vanity, actually, I looked this up. Vanity means like a wisp of vapor or 
a puff of wind. Have you ever been outside and you speak and it's cold and you just see your own breath? Your own breath you're going to see is not actually that long. It's gone in a second. And he's actually saying here, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Everything in life for him and what he had accomplished meant nothing. Now, the word vanity is going to be seen throughout this whole book of Ecclesiastes. 38 times it's mentioned in the 12 chapters. And so what Solomon is trying to get across and communicate is that there's so many things in life that we chase and pursue after, but what do they really end up giving us? And it's nothing. It's nothing. One of the men, one of the wisest men who ever lived, who had so much, comes to a place and a point in his life where he realizes that all that he's attained means nothing. So he continues on and wants to actually like explain this. And so he goes into kind of like communicating some of these things and how the, wor- the world actually just continues in this process of being over, over and over again, walking through the same routine over and over again, over and over again, over and over again. It says in verse 3, what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? Now, under the sun actually means here, and it's used 30 times um, in Ecclesiastes, it actually means life apart from God. So anytime you see the phrase under the sun, it actually means apart from God. And this is communicated throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. He's trying to help the reader understand that we pursue life, life apart from God, and what does that actually bring to us? Now, verse 3, and he actually talks about verse 3. I love that Mark 8.36 is almost like a reference to this verse of scripture in the Old Testament. Mark 8.36 says this, For what does it profit a man to gain the entire world but forfeit his own soul? Like if you had a choice to gain the whole world but give up your own soul, what would you choose? Some of you here, honestly, you'd look at me and you're like, man, I'll take the whole world any day. (laughs) And we see this in the world. We see the propensity and the reality of people who will sell their own soul because they'd rather have all the stuff of the world instead of what they have in themselves and what God has given to them. And here we see this actually within the Old Testament, the same exact phrase that here is in Mark. The world will promise you everything, but in the end, you won't have anything. The world will always promise you everything, but in the end, you really don't have anything. It's the way you just watch the marketing if you turn on the TV. Like they always show you the latest and the greatest thing that's coming out. You know what's funny? You buy the latest thing and the day that you bought it, like for instance, the day that I bought the latest iPhone, because I'm kind, I'll I'll, I'll honestly be guilty about this and confess to you, I want to have the latest iPhone. Um, And so when that usually comes out, I want to go get it. You know what's funny? I remember getting this last iPhone And as soon as I got home, there was an article about the next one. 
I read an article about the next one and how good the next one was going to be. <laughs> Have you seen this? Do you understand that they're designing cars for like 2024 and 2025? We're driving like a car that's like 2020, 2021, and everyone's like, look at this new car. Do you realize there are already three to four cars ahead of you? This is the world that just continues to rotate and move forward. And we get lost and we get caught up in this world's mindset. And so here's what he actually does. He begins to communicate and to begin to talk about this endless cycle to emphasize his point. Let's look at verse 4. It says, a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down. And hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. I think that happened last night a little bit. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, here we go, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new, what? Under the sun. There's nothing new with life apart from God. And then verse 10, is there a thing of which is said, see, this is new? You ever, I mean, it's so funny, people in, in today's society, like, I've got the newest design of something that's going to change the world. God's like, been there, done that. This is what Solomon's kind of saying. It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of late, later things yet to be among those who come after it's pretty depressing, honestly, isn't it? This is why this book doesn't get preached a lot, because to listen to this, actually it's like, why am I even alive and why am I even here? And that is the exact thing that he is trying to communicate, is this endless cycle that never ends. Why is nature repeating itself, and why do these things just continue to go time and time and time again? It's kind of like a hamster wheel. I wrote this down as I was thinking about it. Have you ever watched hamsters on a wheel? It is the most hilarious thing, but if you really love animals, it's heartbreaking. How many of you are deep animal lovers here? Like your deep animal, like watching this hamster run his tail off. Well, he doesn't have a tail. But he's running so hard on this wheel, and the harder that he runs, what happens? The wheel goes faster. That's what's so, f I mean, he's trying to run to get somewhere. And what the problem is, is the wheel then begins to like run him. There's actually a video you can go look at. And I remember seeing this and just dying laughing where the hamster's running so fast that the wheel begins to take him and it whips him off the wheel into like nowhere. I think this is what the world does to us. 
I think this is what it means to be in this cycle of the day-to-day and the things that you got to do. Tomorrow, today, you've got things that you got to do. And tomorrow, you're going to wake up and enter into the same pattern of life pretty much that you always do. I got to get the, I got to get myself ready for work. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to work all day. I'm going to be tired. Then I'm going to go have dinner. Then I'm going to see somebody. And then you go back and we're going to start again the next day. And the next day, you get up, you go do your shower, you have the same shampoo, the same toothpaste, the same toothbrush, you go to work, you work all day, you get done with work, you're ready for dinner, after dinner, you're ready to crash. That becomes life. And then all of a sudden, we wake up at like 70, 80, 90 years old and realize that the life we've been living is like a hamster in a hamster wheel. How can we be intentional about breaking the cycle? Solomon here is actually communicating like this is the cycle of life. Water flows to certain places and it just keeps flowing. It's never full. The eye sees, the ear hears. It's just the reality of life and how do we break this cycle? It's monotonous. And we have to be creative. That's why for you, I don't know what it looks like for you, but the last time I was here, I talked about solitude. See, solitude, it breaks you off of the hamster wheel. Solitude slows your life down. Stillness puts you in a place where the world isn't running you, but you actually are being intentional about making sure that you run the world that you live in. I think a lot of Christians, the reality of a lot of believers is they say that they love Jesus, but they live a secular lifestyle. Like their their faith might be in Jesus Christ, but if you watched their life, their life is lived in such a way that God really doesn't exist, and it's all revolving around them and their own life. And the reality is, is that there's something bigger than the rat race of life, and that is the one who created life, God. Anybody have an amen to give to that? Aren't you glad today that you're not running the world? I I love it when I hear people that are like, they think they've got the the best political idea that's going to change the universe. I'm telling you right now, I would never want to be in the place of actually having to be the president of our country. I would not want Chris Brooks' job. God have mercy on my soul if I had to have that guy's job, where he's got to take care of all 14, 15 campuses. The reality is, is that there is a God who is in control of the entire universe. And he holds it in the palm of his hand. Can you think about that for a second? God is the creator. He spoke into existence the world. You are here today because of God bringing you into existence. 
And then not only brought you into existence, but he brought you here today and you are sitting in a seat that he understood years, 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 but before time even began, he knew you would be here today sitting in the exact seat that you're sitting in and he understands everything and knows everything about you. Now for some of us, that's scary, but honestly, it should be the most beautiful thing to know that we're not alone, that God is the creator. Secondly, we see that God has a plan for the world. Not only is God the creator, but God has a plan. And we're going to get into this as you go through the series with, with smoke and mirrors. That in, in all this search in the midst of the smoke and mirrors of life, there's a God that actually has a plan for us. And the monotony of what we're working through is not just for monotony's sake, but there's something bigger in, that's going on. There's a bigger plan and a bigger purpose. I want to read Psalm 104, 3 to 10, and just kind of break off of Ecclesiastes for a second to look at another passage here in the Old Testament because we see the reality of God and what God actually does and what he is as the creator. And I want to read this and have us all just kind of walk through this together. It says, he, and that's God, lays the beams of his chambers on the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He rides on the wings of the wind. He makes his messengers winds, his ministers a flaming fire. He set the earth on its foundations. Do you understand that the earth rotates at such an axis and is just far enough away from the sun that if it was any closer, it would burst? Or if it was any farther, it would actually freeze? And we're actually sitting here, but the earth is actually moving within all of these other moving parts. Like, that just blows my mind. But we act like it's just no big deal. So that it could never be moved. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, they fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took to flight. The mountains rose, the valley sank down to the place that you appointed for them. And I think there's a couple more verses. Maybe not. I guess that's it. But do you guys get the focus of what's happening here? The psalmist is saying, if you want to understand who's in control of the universe and who's done all of these things that we're seeing Solomon say, it's God. He's the one who's running the earth. He's the one who spoke things into existence. He is the one, even at this very second, that gives us breath so that we can breathe in and breathe out. Even as you sit there, the breath that you're taking in and bring, coming out of you is from God Almighty. Who here praises God for that? Yeah. It's such a powerful thing that I think we, re, we just forget about. And it's interesting because Adam and and mankind, we kind of started in the world with God in this beautiful relationship. But then because of disobedience, this actual rat race and hamster wheel began to move. And if you look at the whole Old Testament, 
you see this reality of the, the people of Israel running from God, disobeying him, and then God pursuing them with his love and drawing them back. Man running from God saying, I'm going to do this, and God pursuing them and loving them and bringing them back. Man running away from God, doing his own thing, saying, I've got a better way of doing it, and God bringing his pursuit of love towards them and drawing them back. That's been kind of the rat race all the way until a unique moment that happened in the New Testament. And guess what that was? When Jesus enters the picture. This is where the mundane now is not mundane anymore. Because God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to give his life as a sacrifice so that we don't have to live in the mundane of life. Now we have a spiritual reality with Jesus Christ and that he took our sin on himself so that now I'm free in his presence. And now that I know that I'm loved, all of those things now change life. They change the cycle that you just can live in. It's so, it's so sad that there's a world today that's continuing to live in this cycle and they don't know that the life of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice changes all of that for them. It can change all of that for them. If you don't know Jesus today, Jesus wants to change and to move you off the hamster wheel of life to, so that you can experience meaning and purpose with him. That's why he came. That's why he was a man just like we, we are, except that he was God in human flesh. And he walked the earth and he gave his life for people because he loved them so desperately. And he realized that without him, the world would be the same, 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 same. I think it's easy for Christians to get in this place where we think, Man, God loves me and I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. And I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm excited about going to heaven. I think with every day that goes by, I get more excited about going to heaven. Yeah, that, is that my voice? Whoa, man. I didn't know if God was speaking and then I'm like, no. He's not going to speak in my voice, that's for sure. Um. No, th this, this is just so powerful to understand about the heart of God in sending his son, Jesus Christ. The reality is, is we don't have to wait for meaning in life when we get to heaven. He wants us to experience it now. So many people are like, oh, when I just get to heaven, it's, that's when it's going to be amazing. Like right now the world stinks and I can't, I can't stand being here. I want to get to heaven. And I get part of that longing. But the reality is, is that we have meaning and purpose now while we're here. And we can experience life while we're here on earth. And that's what Solomon is going to, get, he's going to communicate as he gets farther into the book. That we can experience meaning in life here and now, but it's only because of Jesus. I want to just put up a list of what we have in Jesus Christ. Some of the identity pieces that we have in Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus because of Jesus, you are or you have these things. You're a new creation. It says in Scripture that the old things have passed away. Behold, all things become what? 
See, the old is the hamster wheel. The new is getting off of the hamster wheel. We're forgiven. Do you understand that every sin that you've committed, whether outwardly or inwardly, not only just up until this present moment, but until you breathe your last breath, if you know Jesus Christ, it's been forgiven and you are washed clean. Praise God. You're chosen. You're chosen. Yes, we made a decision to make God um, and accept and receive God, but God was already at work, and he was pursuing us way before we were pursuing him. And he chose us to actually be his children. We're given grace. We're loved. Grace is a beautiful thing that we don't deserve. We're loved. We receive the inheritance of God. You know, like, if some of you have family that have money, mine don't. (laughs) What I love, though, is that there's a Father in heaven that has such an inheritance that makes any inheritance on on the earth mean nothing. And it's yours if you know him. Adopted into his family. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Our salvation is sealed by the Holy Spirit, and we're his child. He loves us deeply as sons and daughters. We're redeemed, and ultimately, we have purpose and meaning in life. I don't know about you, but the world we're living in right now is searching so desperately for purpose and meaning. They have always been. But I feel like even in this moment, with going through this pandemic, there is a world that is desperately searching for purpose and meaning so that the day-to-day life can be different. It can be full of adventure. It can be full of risk. It can be full of joy. It can be full of peace. And some of you here that have known Jesus Christ for a long time, maybe you're not experiencing those things. And maybe in time, God's going to bring those to you. But that is the God that we know that's in the scriptures. And for those of you that don't know Jesus Christ, maybe you've grown up in church or you've never been to church. This is your first time today. I just want you to know that there's a man named Jesus who is the son of God, who is God in human flesh, and he gave his life so that you can have meaning and purpose in life. So today, what does it look like for you? What does life look like for you today? Is it the hamster wheel? Is it just continuing to run and run and run and run and run? And then all of a sudden you get to the end of life and realize that all the running you were doing didn't really matter and that wasn't what life was all about. Or do you place Jesus at the center and say, he's my heart, he's my reason, he's my meaning and my purpose for life? My prayer for myself is that today, and my prayer is that for all of us today. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.